Welcome to Sounding Off with Kim Munson, our podcast. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at all of the upcoming guests, as well as our most recent op-eds, our most recent podcasts. And be sure and go over to Facebook and give us a like. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And uh, thrilled to have in studio with me, Stephen Peck. Hey, good morning. He, it's good to have you here. And you are an officer with the medical or the Navy Medical Service Corps, correct? Yes, I am. And a former director on uh, the Douglas County School Board. Yes. Millennial. Yes. Father. Yes. And uh, it's historic times going on in America right now, Stephen. This voter fraud thing is astounding. Yes, it's amazing, isn't it? <clears throat> I um, I I I don't have cable news, and and I I don't. You know, know exactly what they're saying. I, I hear from secondhand sources or clips that are shared that evidently there's a coordination that's taking place. Uh, evidently, states aren't certifying or don't need to certify anymore. We, we have the, the word of anchormen and women to tell us who won the election um, and, and social media to back up whatever those initial claims were. Uh, unfortunately for those people who are just very eager to tell us what to believe and, and, and how to behave, um, they don't certify elections. That's not how the process works. And so the Trump campaign is fighting like hell to to contest these these um, places where it looks like uh, there was not just fraud, but massive fraud. Of course, you have to demonstrate that that's the case. Right. So to to say, OK, in individual states, well, you know, this has the appearance of irregularity or there's an anomaly here or there. We need more than a, a few dead people to show up here. We're, you know, in, in many of these contested states, whether it's Georgia or Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, um, uh, Wisconsin, you're separated by the numbers range, but call it tens of thousands. Right. Ten thousand here, 20,000 there. Um, it, you have to come up with something systemic. And I think uh, it's interesting. I mean, it bears pointing out that one of the benefits of having an electoral college is that it's not easy to steal an election, right? If you nationalize the whole the whole uh, electoral process, you can just uh, steal the election in one county, right? If you're in, you know, take your most corrupt county in the, the nation, whatever you believe that county to be, and run up the score here or there, one or two select places, and then you seize the vote. The beautiful, One of the beautiful things about the Electoral College is that stealing an election is hard to do. And so we have multiple court cases now that will be coming down the, the um, coming in the coming weeks um, where, where Trump is going to contest these things uh, because it seems like for whatever reason, curiously enough, they're all in very blue uh, counties within contested states. So it's Clark County in Nevada. It's uh, Fulton County in Georgia. It's um, it's um, uh, Wayne County in Michigan. And, and it's in Milwaukee and Philadelphia. It's in Pittsburgh. It's in Madison. I mean, why is it it's all in the same sapphire blue counties? It does. Look, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's billowing amounts of smoke here. Billowing. <laughs> I, that's what I see. That's what I see. Now, of course, I'm saying this through the lens of somebody who wants to see Trump win. So take that for what it's worth. Stephen, I, I've thought about this a lot, though, because there I agree with you. There is a lot of smoke and it looks like there's going to be a lot of fire. And if, in fact, it was my guys, my team that was doing this, I would want an investigation. This is not okay with me. 
uh, no matter what side of the aisle that you're on, because it goes to, if it is okay with you, you have to have to question the character of where we're headed as a nation. But as I think most everybody, and that goes blue dog Democrat to unaffiliated, independent, libertarian, Republican, conservative, that big swath, I think, really wants just and fair elections. But you mentioned something that I think is important, and that is the narrative that the mainstream media is trying to push that it's President-elect Biden without checking all this out. Well, right. They're quick to coordinate. They want to have a coordination. Um, And again, that's that's not how it works. In my mind, this is no longer about... Trump versus Biden. I mean, just take out the names to the extent that you can have generic Republican, generic Democrat, or even, you know, generic Green Party versus generic U.S. Constitution Party. At this point, it's about the integrity of the election process. And if you don't have uh, full faith and confidence that this was done honestly, then then you lack legitimacy. And that's a real problem for everybody. So regardless of your political point of view, you should care about the legitimacy of the election, because if if a large swath and we've got 70 million, excuse me, 70 million people, 70, 71 million people that voted for Donald Trump. Those people, a a majority, I've seen numbers as high as 70 percent of those people think that there was uh, fraud in the uh, in the election. If those people feel disenfranchised, if you thought that they were upset and mad as hell before, then how are they going to feel today when that's why we have to have answers to all of this? Because the government only has legitimacy through the consent of the governed. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have if they if that government doesn't have our consent, then what do we have here? We we have uh, we have problems on a scale that, that, that far surpass whatever differences we have between the two parties. Okay, question. Because for the last four years, there has been a portion of the American population that has never really recognized Donald Trump as president. Of course, those are the same people now that are very quick to say, oh, come on, just, you know, suck it up and accept these, uh, these results. Exactly. What's your thoughts on that, Stephen Peck? Well, I think, you know, partisans are going to be partisans, right? I mean, they're they're not necessarily interested in facts. What they're interested in is power. And and if it means uh, resistance and harassment and trumped up uh, not to, you know, and, and trumped up charges on on made up, you know, weaponizing the intelligence community, forging documents to uh, grant FISA warrants that turned out to be, you know, untrue. All that stuff that led to the special prosecutor that turned out to be nothing, nothing, nothing came of that. Nothing. We were told ad nauseum for four years there was Russian collusion and it turned out to be a big lie. Although somebody, maybe it was you, we talked about projection. Mm-hmm. What, in fact, the Democrats were have been projecting onto Donald Trump and others is actually what they're doing. Well, and recall, and that it was in one of our previous conversations that Hillary Clinton on H- uh, Showtime said Joe Biden should not concede under any circumstances at all. But now, now, now that the shoe is on the other foot and they have the upper hand for the moment, and maybe they prevail, we'll see. Uh, now, all of a sudden, he must prevail. This is undermining democracy. We're an embarrassment to the world. All the headlines that you see. All of a sudden, you know, those are, are, are the, the, the narrative script. So whatever it takes to stay in power to win is is the um, is the narrative that that's adopted. That's adopted. But but I, I want to point out something that I think is worth 
you know, talking about. We were told by the media under no uncircumcised circumstances that Donald Trump would not only lose, he would lose big. You know, it was going to the polls had him up as high as 17 percent. Mm-hmm. Biden was up 17 percent in Wisconsin. It was the most outrageous poll. But many of the polls had him six to 10 points up, Biden up six to 10 points up over the, the president, that this was going to be a wipeout, that the Senate was going to flip hard, that they're, that Democrats were going to pick up House seats, that they're going to flip state legislatures. In fact, none of that happened. None of that happened. So it, will there be some sort of mea culpa? Will there be um, some sort of reckoning? Will there be apology, uh, apologies from, from our masters at, at uh, Nate Silver's 538 or Quinnipiac Poll or any of the, uh, you know, Anderson Cooper and Savannah Guthrie and Chris Wallace, all these people, all these oracles that told us exactly what was going to happen turned out to be a bunch of baloney. In fact, in fact, Trump went from he built on his his 2016 uh, vote numbers by eight to nine million, eight to nine million based on what we know right now. Right. Of course, we're going to challenge a lot of things. So we don't have final counts, but eight to nine million new voters over 2016. So for being this terrible person, that's a misogynistic nativist, you know, racist person, um, Trump, Trump got eight to nine million new voters. Now, Obama, curiously enough, from 2008 to 2012, I mean, I don't know if you know, I don't. Do you think he went up in his, in his second reelection or do you think he went down? I guess I think he went up. He did not go up. He lost three and a half million votes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you so, remember what that vote total was by any chance? I, they, I had it. it I, I don't, they were both in like, one of them was 62 million. Um, it's worth looking at again. I, I think his first number was 65 million votes in 2008. I mean, people can verify this, but it, it was something like 65 million, uh, according to Wikipedia. And then it went down to 62 million. Um, and then Trump so one has to question this. Okay. What you're saying is that Trump increased his vote total from last election to this election by eight to 9 million. Yes. How is it that a guy mm. that's been in his basement, yeah. uh, not out there campaigning, Actually got well. That would be significantly more, more votes than, than, Obama. than Obama. Obama. Obama did. Now, yeah, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, right? Mm-hmm. Now you do have, uh, uh, you know, just to give a little bit of. Uh, there has been population growth, of course, over the last uh, since two thousand eight. Okay, that explains some of it. But if you and recall, add from- in dead voters. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Think of the cemetery uh, uh, constituency. Um, I, <laughs> but but you recall from 2008. I mean, Barack Obama was an absolute. He wasn't just a politician. He kind of reinvented. He he was a pop star, right? I mean, do you remember the crowds there? He, mm-hmm. Everybody was fawning over him. He's like, you know, hanging out with Jay Z and talking with the uh, editors at GQ. I mean, right. the guy was as cool as the other side of the pillow. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody loved him. Uh-huh. Everybody loved him. But he did not uh, exceed his vote total his second reelection. Now, I think that goes to, you know, the weakness of our 2012 uh, nominee, Mitt Romney. But, um, but yes, the, uh, the, the vote total for, uh, Trump in, and again, uh, these are from memory here, so I, I might not be exactly right. It's worth checking, but uh, t- 62 million votes 
in 2016 for for uh, uh, Donald Trump. This time around, it looks like it's going to be 70 to 71 million votes for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, to your point, amazingly enough, it's just it, 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 it defies everything we know about Joe Biden. He apparently got 75 million votes. I mean, I, of course, there's going to be tens of millions of Democrats who will vote for who will vote for Joe Biden because they hate Donald Trump and because, you know, Don, uh, Joe Biden is a is a Democrat. But there was a guy and I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Cortez. No, Steve Cortez um, put together. Um, how did what was the title of the I have it here in front of me. The statistical case against Joe Biden's win. And he basically, he let me, this is a very brief section here. The statistical case in isolation does not prove fraud, but the confluence of highly unlikely results does emphatically paint a picture of utter improbability. Any one, uh, any one of these four factors alone could cast intense doubt on the election results, but put together, the result is a seemingly impossible statistical perfect storm. To use a sports analogy, it'd be like a team pitching a perfect game in the World Series. Not one game, nor two games, but in all four games, the sweep via pitching perfection. Is it possible? Theoretically, sure, it's, but is it probable? Hell no. And so we must commence with the vigorous audit as the future of our republic hangs in the balance. And he, and he lists the four reasons. I won't read the four reasons, but it's basically um, you have a turnout question that we were just talking about. You have a um, Biden-only ballot phenomenon. Mm -hmm. You have the absence of mail-in voting vetting. And then you have the uh, overperformance of Biden relative to Obama. So, for example, in uh, in the state of Wisconsin, over 90 percent of registered voters voted, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's very high. I mean, good for them if they got that high. Um, in Australia, he points out, you voting is mandatory, which I didn't know. Okay. And if you don't vote, apparently you're fined, which is really odd. <laughs> but even in a, sta- a place like that, their uh, their turnout numbers are 92 percent in Australia. Okay, so so Milwaukee supposedly had 84 percent turnout. If you were to compare with another city like Cleveland, they had a more believable 51% turnout. 81 84% turnout in Milwaukee is exceedingly high and again, by itself in isolation, I don't think that, you know, you can conclude anything. But taken together with these other things, these are they just it there's a lot of smoke. So now it's incumbent on on team Trump to okay, is this going to be a recount? Is this going to turn into a lawsuit? You know, I think we'll find out um, the overperformance of of Obama or of Biden relative to Obama. So take Montgomery County. This is just one county in Pennsylvania. In 2012, Barack Obama, rock star Barack Obama, won 59,000 votes in the same county, Montgomery County, in 2020. Biden doubled it, three uh, 131 votes. 100,000? 131,000 votes in Montgomery County compared to 59,000 votes in Montgomery County. Yeah, that doesn't, uh, that does not pass the smell test. It doesn't. This guy couldn't get 15 people to show up to his, his, you know, circle rallies, you know, where they had the the folding chairs and everything and he's waving to fields. Nobody was there. Uh, the, 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 The article goes on, but 
he's basically saying, listen, this this stretches common sense. There's a statistical case here that says this just yes, I guess it's within the, the is it possible? Yes, but it's not probable. And so, okay, where do we go from here? What do we do? You That's know, the question. Yeah. So as recently as this morning, uh, Rudy Giuliani and and Team Trump have been collecting affidavits. These are sworn affidavits from people who were poll watchers or postal workers, people who have seen irregularities, abnormalities, anomalies of some one variety or another. And they're coming forward. Right. And if you write an affidavit, it's sworn testimony. If you lie about that testimony, you can be charged with perjury. It's a big deal. Why would anybody, you know, there's, I've seen 131 people. There's supposedly, I've seen different numbers, 131 people just in the state of, of Michigan. That's just one state. So team Trump, I've heard another number, but I don't even want to share it because it's so big. Um, and you know, I just want to be careful. Uh, but, but team Trump is collecting all these affidavits. Now, some of these affidavits, you know, might be a handful of votes here or there. What, what the team Trump needs to demonstrate is there is systemic, something big, you know, uh, 150 dead people that are 118 years old voting. We've seen those, right? Mm-hmm. We know that happens. But they're requesting ballots. Right. Which is crazy. Yeah, right. I, the, the whole process is an embarrassment. We're supposed to be, I mean, Amazon can get a package, some whatever bizarre thing that you or I want to buy to our doorstep the very next day, but Alaska takes eight days. I don't know how many igloos they have to go to to collect these, um, you know, get the final vote tally, or Maricopa County in Arizona. I mean, what the heck? What is going on here? Why does it take so long? This yet is- Florida, which was uh, needed to clean up their act, they did. And that election uh, basically came off like clockwork. Well, and it, to me, when I look at it, I think n- how much of this is is uh was driven by the, the, like the mail-in vote it is probably a <laughs> an opportunity right there's lots of confusion different dates different timelines when do they have to be postmarked when do they have to be turned in like in pennsylvania for example the state legislator said on election day november 3rd at, by 8 p.m all votes must be in and then the secretary of state said no no no, no. they can they can come in 72 hours afterward it went up all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court because uh, uh, ACB was not confirmed yet. It was a 4-4 decision. It went back to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Okay, does the Secretary of State? My understanding of the reading uh, of of the situation is this: the state legislator, not the Secretary Correct. of State, determines the uh, election rules. So the trick, though, is out of all the votes cast right now. Um, there's 45,000 vote lead for Biden. And when I went to bed on election night, Trump was up like 700,000 votes. How did that happen? I, I think I, I, this is why I'm saying this, this stinks. This stinks. I'm not, you know, let's, let's see what the evidence is, but this stinks as high as it gets. It just, it just does. And they, they owe it to all of us to, to show us the facts, to do the recount. Um, Look, if it comes back that 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 we matched all the signatures, we we included all the provisional ballots because there's a provisional ballot issue here too, in in states in, both in Georgia and I got this from Dick Morris. Uh, this isn't me doing my own research. Dick Morris said, who's also on Team Trump right now. You're familiar with Dick Morris, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Dick Morris is saying in uh, Pennsylvania, there's something like we don't know the exact number. 
100,000 votes of people in Pennsylvania and 40,000 people in Georgia that voted in the wrong location. So those are counted as provisional ballots, and they'll be counted in a recount. But you have to have the recount. So some state rules vary from state to state, right? So we're really down in the weeds at this point. Okay. But um, there's a 1% trigger, I think, in um, – well, uh, Georgia's already announced it, so I don't know if that was uh, – how they – Stephen, just a quick question on no. that. They, my understanding is they're going to recount the presidential um, uh, election on these ballots. But I, I don't think they're counting down ballot. It seems like if you're going to do a recount, you should recount the whole ballot. What do you think? Yeah, I don't I don't have the answer to that. I, I, I read uh, somebody on the left making the same point. And they were saying, look, Republicans, and, and, uh, you know, did well at down ballot. Um, do they really want to challenge all of these things because they could be undermining their own, you know, their own wins? The the left was expecting a blowout, and that didn't happen. Um, it appears at this stage that Joe Biden will be president, which, um, you know, we'll see if that 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 stands. Down ballot though is a totally different story. So, which again, that doesn't make sense to me. Where it was going to supposed to be a blowout for Joe Biden. And these Senate seats, these state legislative seats, uh, House of Representatives, that uh, they were going to pick up seats. They didn't. No. It does, this, that doesn't make sense to me either. That no. there was this, it, instead of a blue wave, it was a blue mirage. And the it was Republicans a blue nothing. It was yeah. a blue nothing. I mean, ba I mean, look, I don't know. I saw numbers, 20, 30 seat pickups that Democrats were going to have in the, in the House. And I had zero expectation that, I mean, and frankly, I wasn't watching the what was supposed to happen in the House. But it turns out, and, and we're still tallying the votes in some of these House races, it looks like we're going to pick up more than 10 seats. And Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, if she survives as Speaker, will, will hold on to this razor thin um, – margin in the house now there is a silver lining to all this so i mean i kind of you know like we've had a, a, a lot of talk about um here are all the inconsistencies around fraud and i think those will get flushed out but there are some silver linings if you want to talk about Let's that. Talk that you want to talk silver linings okay so here here's the the silver linings the democrats failed to flip one single legislative chamber in any of the 50 states so i'm not talking about any any state i'm talking about any chamber in any state so oh, okay. i, I in fact, Republicans picked up three chambers. Democrats did not win one. They didn't flip one governorship. Republicans flipped um, Montana. Uh, the House did not go blue. We picked up a handful of seats. And it's interesting. The ones it looks like there was, you know, and these are still being contested. There's some victories in, in New York and California of all places. So, wow. Yeah. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, it looks like we're going to hold on to the Senate. Now, I mean, that's a whole podcast in itself, right, what's happening down there in Georgia. Um, but let's just just leave it at that, that, that we performed significantly better than was expected. It's, all, it's also down ballot. Okay. The, the, the other thing is this. A lot of people are quick to announce the era of Trump's finally over, that evil, you know, orange all of man. his antics. <laughs> yeah, orange man bad is finally gone. Okay. If he, if it turns out he's he loses, do you believe, honestly, Kim? Do you think for one moment that he's going away, that he's just going to go to Florida and kick it? I don't think so. No way. He's not going to do that. He's going to. I don't know. Maybe he'll start a media uh, group. I've heard that, that, uh, maybe he'll. Um, 
I mean, he'll be a thorn in the side of Democrats for another four years, and I wouldn't be at all surprised. I know he's getting up there in age, but wouldn't be surprised for him to Winston Churchill style come back in 2024 and just bring it, bring it all the harder. So that's the. So we had good results down ballot. Trump is not going away, and then the Senate map and redistricting are two the, the third and fourth reasons to be happy, or at least to see a silver lining. So the 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 Senate map in 2022, right? You might be thinking, how could we be talking about 2022? We're just we're not even done counting 2020. Well. The Senate map in 2022 is um, tough for Republicans because every, you know, the Senate runs on six-year terms, so a third of the Senate comes up every two years. And because Republicans had overwhelming victories in 2010 due to the Tea Party, and then in 2016, we have, we're defending a lot more seats than the Democrats, which because of incumbency just makes it, it um, it's more difficult to defend seats mm-hmm. than to go on the offensive. If Trump were to win, it would be difficult to for him to hold all those seats. If we have total gridlock and people are frustrated by that point, it is easier for uh, Republicans to hold on to those Senate seats. So there is a silver lining there, okay. especially if if Trump is on the outside th- lobbing bombs and you know mounting a 2024 campaign. Now let's talk about redistricting. Yes. Uh, you're implying that... Elections matter on the redistricting. Oh, yeah. So this year more than others, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Every 10 years we do the uh, census. 2020 is a census year. Um, so the state legislatures across all 50 states get to decide the uh, House maps, right, through redistricting. And those are reallocated based off from population. So as states like Tennessee, Florida, Texas take more population, people are moving from those blue states over to red states, they'll pick up House seats. So uh, I want to say Texas picked up four House seats last time. Okay. So what's what's happening is this shift away from the Northeast, the Northeast and the Rust Belt, places like Michigan, they lose one or two, and Pennsylvania loses a handful. And those House seats, those people are migrating down South. So not only do you pick up House seats in conservative states, but then the state legislatures will be in charge of the redistricting. And um, that's extremely powerful because you lock in gains for not a one cycle, but a decade. Well, and a point, if you don't like where you're living because of the policies that are there, don't move someplace and vote for those same policies. Yep, you're you're touching on something that just sets me off. They're I, they're blue locusts, that like locusts that come into a a vineyard and destroy the crop. California has been ruined, it has been, and people Beautiful can't. State. It, yes, right, and I, I don't know what it's going to take to bring it back. But but people, they they vote for these policies that that are are just destructive. And they um, they make a middle class existence almost impossible. Then people leave for places like Nevada and Arizona and Colorado. And look at that. Look at those look red states. So I think I mean not to be discouraging, but if if there was the most reason for pessimism on my part on election night was not you know the 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 top of the ticket with Donald Trump and Joe Biden. For, because that's still unresolved, and and we can survive four years of Joe Biden. We can, especially if we hold the Senate. Oh yeah, okay. if we hold the if Senate. We hold the Senate. If we hold yes. the Senate. If we don't, then the Republic as we know it, I think. I know, is 
it's a, it's a turning point in history. It's, it is a turning point in history. I want to make just go back just a little bit because a couple of years ago, uh, in Colorado, we changed our our redistricting, and we took it out of basically the hands of elected officials, mm-hmm. and that was via uh, Amendment Y and Z, and there were Republicans that really pushed that forward. And as you know, I do a voter's guide, and I looked at it. And I thought, this is not a good idea mm. because it's this all cockamamie. We have people from unaffiliated and we get people here and it's a pot and everybody's name. So Democrats, Republicans, unaffiliated, their names go in a pot. They draw them out. Then the uh, uh, Supreme Court gets to dis- I'm like, hold the phone here. If, in fact, we ever get around to winning elections again here in Colorado for people that love freedom and the individual a rugged spirit of Colorado, we gave away the right, right to do the redistricting. And mm-hmm. and it was done under, well, if we ever want to have a seat at the table, this is what we need to do. It's like, no, we need to fight in these elections. This is what we need to do. Well, right. I mean, your local representative is, is supposed to be your voice in Denver, right? And now if that has been outsourced to some blue ribbon commission— how is that selected? And is the are are the the Democrats really Democrats? Are the Republicans really Republicans? Are the unaffiliated? You got it. Really unaffiliated. I mean, everybody has their bias. Everybody has their point of view. So, this idea that we can have a totally neutral third party decide commission. Wh- what's that? A commission. A commission. Right. A commission. Whatever that is. Uh, those are not answerable to the people. I mean, exactly. And so I I and and I. I know that these, um, I want to be careful here. I know that the constitutionality of some of these have been challenged, and I think you'll see more challenges moving forward because there are more than a couple states that are, have gone this route because they want to make sure that the gerrymandering is as honest as possible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, but we shall see about that. Okay. Can Continue so, on. Well, so I think— um, uh, you know, I just wanted to run through the the reasons for the optimism. I think we did that. Um, I'm just trying to think about. Uh, I'm not sure which direction you want to go at this point, but there are there are reasons for hope with at the very top of the ticket. But if Trump does not prepare, uh, prevail and he ends up coming up short, I don't think all is lost. Now, there's a lot riding on what's happening in Georgia. Um, and Andrew sure- Yang is saying, "Hey." Democrats move to Georgia for this special election. And he's not the only one. It's disgusting. So for your listeners that might not know, there is a deadline of of December 7th where uh, voters can register to vote and in the um, in the runoffs for the two Senate elections. So they have two Senate seats open at the exact same time. Um, And. The, the vote is in January, but you have until December 7th to get in. And so there's a call going out in in leftist circles to to move to Georgia and, and change America. Ch- Chuck Schumer has said, we will change America, which is the same language that Barack Obama said on his. Um, remember the night in Chicago and Grant Park Trans- when he said we will fundamentally transform America. He, he made a, a good first attempt. Because um, they they do not like the country, they don't. I mean, this is why they want you know to pretend like it's not 1776, it's it's, it's 1619. This is why they um, they they're embarrassed and ashamed 
of our, our values, that they are continuously looking at other countries to, to, to see how they run things that we should adopt. Um, it's like the, maybe they should just move there. <laughs> uh, you would think if they had the courage of their convictions, if they had an ounce of integrity, they would move there. But they don't. They stubbornly stick around here and and they they take all the benefits of, of living here but have contempt for the same country. It's astounding. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. So so by the way, what Andrew Yang and others are calling for turns out to be a felony in in uh, Georgia. So I hope that the people of Georgia and their elected officials are watching very carefully to see who is registering to vote in the next, you know, between now and the 7th of December. And did those people also vote in other states? You can't vote in California, move to to Georgia and vote a second time. That is election fraud. Okay, good point. I hadn't thought of that. That is that is true. So you vote over here in this particular election for president uh, or in California and Senate and all that there. Yes. And then you think you can move to... It's, I mean, I, I only have point. I only have curse words for this. This is insane. You can't do this. It's wrong. Yeah. I mean, not only is it illegal, but it's just morally and for them to broadcast it just publicly like this is is shameful. It's absolutely shameful. It really shows a lot of their character and and the character of our nation. We're seeing and that's one of the things I've always said, uh, Stephen Peck, about Donald Trump. And I wish I could say that I was the one that thought this up. But Donald Trump. Um, and my friend Helen did. Donald Trump, love him or hate him, he's brought clarity to these issues. And we're seeing a clarity to the character of people as well, which uh, the mask is off now. It is. It is. And, and I mean, absolutely, I agree with you. Uh, you kind of have to look in the mirror collectively and say, this is the character of our nation. In Colorado, for example, was it 115, the partial birth abortion? Mm -hmm. That passed. That passed. They, the Coloradans overwhelmingly said they want a right to partial birth abortion. At the same time, they said, save the wolves. Oh, I hadn't thought quite about that. So, again, we're going to explain this. So 115, which uh, if it would have passed, it would have banned partial or uh, excuse me, um, abortion after abortions 20 weeks. after 22 weeks, 22 weeks. But yet over here on the other side. Coloradans voted to bring wolves, predators, into not their neighborhood, but into the neighborhoods on the western slope. There's something Save about the trees, kill the children. I mean, it's like, that's the lyric from a Christian song that you, you've probably heard before. It's, it's disgusting. And it shows to what extent our moral compass has been inverted. I mean, this is, you have to, you and I, and listeners who... You have to look at this in the, the mirror and, and see it for what it is. I mean, it, it's not a good picture. It's a bad picture. It's a dark picture. That cold, dark winter that uh, Biden was talking about. Yeah, right. I mean, I wish I look, there's no happy way to spin that. You know, I'm not uh, I'm okay. just, you know, I'm going to throw this out because um, I was talking with some of my girlfriends about this, because interestingly enough, on our voters guide, Rick Turnquest and I, we were a yes to ban late-term abortions here in Colorado. And some libertarians that I know were a no on that. And, and many of them say we don't get involved in social issues or it's not our right to choose for the woman. And I have had to think a lot about that. And if, in fact, we believe in this American idea that all men are created equal, 
with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, then I am not sure how we as libertarians, and I, I lean libertarian on a number of things, but if we don't stand for life, that's one of the very first things. And if we don't stand for that, then all the socioeconomic things don't matter so much. What's your thoughts? I agree completely. I also have the, the libertarian temptation too, but what, where I, I part ways with the people on the right who are pro-abortion is they don't see that as a life. They don't see that as a person. So when they say, I don't want to intervene with a, a woman's right to choose, my response is, what about the child's right to choose? I see that not as a cluster of cells, not as a, you know, a, a fetus. Mm -hmm. What is a fetus? It is. And so unless you, I mean, think about it, there, there's, and, and again, probably a, a whole separate show could be done on this. But my understanding is you've got, you've got DNA from mom, DNA from dad. They come together and, and have unique DNA itself, right? And there's not two hearts in one woman. There's not two brains in one woman. You're talking about unique DNA Separate organs, whether you want to acknowledge that as a person or not, to me, is totally dishonest. I mean, these, this, this logic and thinking comes from the same people who think there's 121 genders out there. So I'm sorry if I'm a little bit you know, suspicious of your judgment. And I think that's—and uh, so to your point, though, here in Colorado, we voted to continue to let there be abortions after 22 weeks. And on the other hand, we voted— to bring in a predator on the Western Slope, which is going to affect the property rights uh, of the people that live there. And again, a character issue that we in the Front Range would vote, and, and the, the ballot language said, on the uh, west of the Continental Divide. It's a character issue on this. Absolutely. We, get the, we, we, we have the uh, elected leaders that we deserve, right? A lot of times we want to look at uh, the U.S. Congress and, 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 you know, their approval ratings are like rock bottom. Think about the most, you know, they, most Americans have utter contempt for the political class and for good reason. But how far should that contempt go when you and I are the ones that respond are responsible for electing them again? You know, we want to say, well, term limits will fix this or a third party will fix this. No, those won't. And there's good reasons that those won't. I mean, you can have those debates, but they're kind of silly. You and I are ultimately responsible for our government. At least we, we have been. We'll see if that continues into the future. Um, if the country goes the way of California, because where all of a sudden the, par the party that's in charge changes the rules to ensure that they're, they're entrenched. They're in charge. Right. Uh, then, then you no longer have a country. That's what's writing on those two uh, Senate seats in Georgia. I don't know if Georgians will realize this. I don't know. Well, we need to be we need to be talking about uh, this particular issue. Uh, and yes, uh, my heart in some ways is distressed. I, I heavy. Oh yeah, heavy. absolutely. Yes. Because but, uh, politics is upstream from 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 politics, right? Politics is just the natural consequence of the culture. So if, if the culture is corrupted, of course, it's only a matter of time before our politics are corrupted. I wish that we could say, well, if we had the right people with the right laws in place, then we could right all of our wrongs. That's not how it works. We have to have a moral, like, and I'm not saying this as somebody who, you know, has got a sterling character and I've done everything right. In my, so, I, you know, at the risk of sounding like a hypocrite here, yeah. what I'm saying is I still believe in truth and think it's worthy of pursuing. I know you do, too. Mm -hmm. 
if you're willing to lie for power, then what do we have here? Okay, and you've nailed it because, again, we are fallen beings. Uh, We know that. We're sinful beings. None of us are perfect. So when we talk about a moral culture— I'm not saying that I need to come over and tell you how to live your life. I've got enough going on with my own life. Sure, of course. But a moral culture puts up these ideas of the Declaration, that all men are created equal, and they have these rights of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and all that goes within searching for truth and justice and, and all those precepts of the American idea. But Kim, now truth isn't even an objective standard. It's your truth. It's my truth. It's his truth. It's her truth. There's no truth with a capital T. It's all truth with the lowercase t. That, and that's what's happened with our culture, relativism, multiculturalism. And we realized that it doesn't work. Donald Trump came in and we realized underlying this did not work. And what happened with Trump is the mask came off, the veil came off. On all this stuff. Now, Biden says we're going to go back. We're going we're gonna to get back in the WHO. We're going to go back to the Paris Climate uh, Accords. We're How's gonna... he going to do that? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. How's he going to How's he going to bring back the JCPOA? How's he going to bring back NAFTA? How's he going to bring back the Pacific uh, Partnership? How's he going to bring back the Paris Climate Accords and 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 do all this if uh, if it turns out that Mitch McConnell, cocaine Mitch, is still the majority leader? Now, I guess... What'd you just say? Cocaine Mitch. Yeah, I've never heard that. You've never heard Cocaine Mitch? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I've never heard... Oh, yeah, yeah, Cocaine Mitch. That's, um, I, uh, the backstory is he had a, an opponent, uh, I forget who it was, but somebody tried to slander him uh, oh, and with Colin this. Oh, Yes. And so, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's like the best moniker ever. It's Cocaine Mitch. Um, <laughs> I'll have to send you something okay. after the show. But, um, yeah. If, if Mitch McConnell is majority leader, that's never going to happen. Right. That's never going to happen. It will be a deadlock. And 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 uh, cocaine Mitch <laughs> is a skilled parliamentarian. He will he will lock the Democrats up and nothing will get done. And as far as I'm concerned, great. And that's why these two Senate seats everything rides on them. in Georgia is so important. And the left knows that. That's why Andrew Yang is saying, move to Georgia. They're willing to cheat. We can see that they are willing to do anything to, uh, to maintain power, which goes to what you and I were just talking about, the character of the nation. Mm-hmm. And that's what's riding here, Stephen Peck. It is. And they're talking uh, $500 million to a billion dollars um, uh, really? for those two Senate seats, right? So. I, I gave 25 bucks and I thought, okay, I did my part. Some guy in, you know, Colorado, right? Uh-huh. But if everybody gave whatever, you know, they can, it, after a certain point, additional cash, I don't think sways more votes, but basically all the airtime from radio to television to print to social media, digital media, all that ad space is going to be just clogged with these two Senate races because people understand what the stakes are. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, if if the Democrats win there, the the, the and, prospect and, and keep the and or didn't and then get the presidency. It, it's a terrifying prospect it because it, then they can eliminate the filibuster for legislative issues, which means there's not a 60 vote majority threshold. Right. That means the Senate is no longer the greatest de- deliberative body in the world. It becomes just like the House, where majority rules. And Chuck Schumer can say, well, we don't need 60 votes to pass. Remember, Mm -hmm. that was the threshold, and that was why there was so much consternation 
um, for uh, when Obamacare. Harry did it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, uh, yes, and uh, um, but but for Obamacare to pass, remember they had to get sixty votes because there was the filibuster in place, and um, I forget his name. The the gentleman Scott. Uh, he was up in Massachusetts because Ted Kennedy oh, died. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, uh, Scott. Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. I can about. think of Scott Walker. Yeah, and the, he's yeah. from Wisconsin. But 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 there was a gentleman after Ted Kennedy passed away who won a surprise reelection, and it prevented the Democrats from having their 60 vote majority. All that doesn't matter. All that goes out the window because Democrats are are forecasting that they will eliminate the filibuster for legislative issues. That means they would only have to have 50 votes because Kamala Harris, the 50th, 51st votes. If they have 50 votes, then they can basically pass whatever they want to pass on a party line vote and then game, set, match. Although it might go to the Supreme Court, but that's a whole other thing. I mean, you, you can't flood the Supreme Court with all the things that they would want to do. It just, well, they could stack the Supreme Court. They won't. Oh, that's did, right. They that's right. they they won't say that they won't uh, they won't deny that they're, that's what their plan that's right. is. That's what they would do. I mean, it's a very dark picture. It is a very dark picture. And no matter, I I, I know that the progressive activist Democrats like this, but I've got to think everybody else. There's got to be Democrats saying this is not okay. And but what had, has happened is they fomented the hatred for Donald Trump, that it became that they weren't voting for for Biden because they liked Biden. It's because they had this hatred for Donald Trump. But I'm running into people, uh, Stephen Peck, two women I can think of just recently that said that they started, and they were Democrats, Hillary, Hillary Clinton voters, Obama voters, and they started to, to look kind of underneath the, the what's going on there. And as they started to realize this, one of the women, she actually... Uh, uh, moved from being Democrat, Hillary Clinton, to she just recently flew back from California and she said she was wearing her Women for Trump mask on the airplane because as she started to look at more information, she realized they're lying to us. They've been lying to us for a long time. And a lot of people are finally waking up to it. I don't know if a majority are. I mean, I look... I, I, there's... I'm not trying to paint a, a dark picture or a happy picture. I'm just trying to, this is how I see it. Mm -hmm. the, the the media, you were talking about unmasking, right, with Donald Trump. Um, he has unmasked the media for who they are. They are partisans. They're activists. The people that run the newsrooms, the producers, the anchormen and women themselves, the people that write the op-ed columns in the majority of our newspapers, for those that still remain, they're not, they're not, um, they're not, they're activists. There's no other way to put it. And I I don't know if there's enough people on our side. There's 70, 71 million that that um, see it for what it is. I just it's an open question what happens next. But but look, there there were a couple things I listed earlier. There is a silver lining. I am an optimist. I see the glasses half full. But um, but there is a lot riding on on Georgia. That is for sure. This has been a great podcast. Have we pretty well hit everything I, yeah, you wanted I, to I, I, I hit all the things that, that I, I had to deliver. Yeah. Okay. Well, we need to pray for our country. We need to pray for our <laughs> yes. president. Uh, I actually think that he has become one of the most conservative. And when I say conservative, what that means is, is conserving this idea that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness 
And I've seen Donald Trump roll up his sleeves and go to work on that. I had a guest. He said that when Donald Trump became president, that light in the residential uh, part of the White House goes on at 4.30 in the morning. This guy rolls his sleeves up, and he works every day for the American people. And uh, I've come to really, really like him very Me too. Much, Me very too. Much. The thing I like most about him is probably the thing that most people dislike about him. His fighting spirit, his irreverence, his um, tenacity, when when all the, the, the chips are stacked up against him and everybody is fomenting at the mouth to take him down— he comes out fighting. He comes out fighting. So, you know, he in in football terms, we're basically at the position of of doing an onside kick to win the game right now. <laughs> it's not impossible, but it's it, the odds are long. But you know what? He's been counted down and out many many times. I would not be so quick to bet against the Donald. And um, yeah, and the ref is saying one, two. Does he get up? I think he gets up, whether it's in the White House again here in January or not. He goes on to fight and fight late hell. I I agree, and we are Americans. Absolutely, we need to do that as well. Don't go quietly into that good night. That's for sure, Stephen Peck. I love these podcasts. Yes. It's just great to have you here. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Okay, and thank you for joining. Sounding off with Kim Munson. God bless you, and God bless America.